0: Welcome, everybody, to episode number 17 of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I am Brian Goulet. And I am Drew Brown. And we're here from Goulet Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show where we talk about what's going on at Goulet Pens and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we're going to keep the similar format that we've had before, some Q&A questions, a little bit of hypothetical action, and we're going to talk about the Monteverdi Regattas that we've been carrying around. So be sure to stick around. I'm sure we're going to talk too much about too little. So let's start out with some feedback that we have from previous episodes. Drew, what do you got for us?
1: That was a very apt description of this podcast, Brian. (laughs) Indeed. Um... Last time I expressed how much I enjoyed just random nothing comments on YouTube, like people just saying yay about the random things we're talking about, and of course that prompted a lot of yay comments, <sighs> of which go. brought me genuine joy. So
0: asking thank you, asking you, you though, shall receive, right? <laughs> yeah, well,
1: yeah, and also um, we talked about that Drew troll from last time who just always posts negative things about me and how much I'm, how terrible I am, but mm-hmm. so a lot of them were like yay Drew, so of course that's like a double whammy of happiness nice. there and one person uh just beth on youtube actually kind of identified this drew troll who hates me so much really she beth suspects that it is actually the dots candy corporation
0: oh that would be fitting wouldn't it
1: makes perfect sense
0: Mm, that would be fitting so
1: uh yeah i guess i deserve that one
0: fair enough fair enough yeah well, I guess you brought it upon yourself. Um, <laughs> I did. Got some feedback for you, too. <laughs> yeah. Artemis on YouTube said, when Brian said growing crustaceans, I immediately thought pen barnacles. And I vote. We coined the term. Please thank and thank you very much. Uh, which I, I don't know, Drew, which term is Artemis talking about? Growing crustaceans that or was, pen barnacles? That was,
1: that was when you mentioned the... Um, you said it multiple times. Whenever pen nibs get that foamy junk on top yeah. you call them ink crustaceans yeah. <laughs> and you know crustacean being a bottom feeding sea dweller and Absolutely. barnacles also being you know and of the same family uh yeah, apparently think... artemis feels like pen barnacles is a m- even more apt description of funky ink crust
0: seems fitting to me it seems like can't good, argue with that seems like a good like merch idea we need like a crustacean on hanging on a pen or something like barney the barnacle or something you know hanging off the pen (laughs) i mean they they they, yeah that they are barnacle-esque i'll give you that wait crustaceans isn't that like shrimp isn't a shrimp a crustacean yeah is a barnacle a crustacean i don't know i didn't pay that much attention in biology
1: i think barnacles are probably more mollusk in nature Mm, but okay more mollusk more mollusk than crustacean i think
0: fair enough okay well here we are talking a lot about <laughs> very little yes. uh, rena on youtube also said nightshade was first introduced in captain adam number 82 as a partner to the titular hero her real name is eve eden and her father is a u.s senator she's blonde and wears a black wig as nightshade she was romantically involved with captain adam for a brief time scandalous i've never heard of so this was this was in
1: (laughs) oh captain he's he's a lesser known dc hero he's entirely silver like everything face hair just just silver like the silver surfer but doesn't surf yeah basically basically yeah no he's like the silver surfer with a red chunky adam symbol but yeah this was in response to Brian last week uh, when we were talking about halloween themed pens and ink i mentioned noodler's nightshade and Mm -hmm. he paused and was like that sounds like a superhero and sure enough it is rena rena called him out yeah that's true
0: nice there it's you in, it's
1: interesting um there, there's a, there's also a, a fairly well-known superheroine named black canary who oftentimes has a has naturally black hair but then wears a blonde wig when she goes and fights crime so hey interesting that we've got a juxtaposition here of sounds like wig identity
0: sounds like that character in eve eden should just trade places and then they wouldn't have to wear so many wigs
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know i named my dog after black canary i don't know if you know that brian
0: i did not know that
1: yeah uh, Ollie and dinah were named after green arrow and black canary
0: well there you go there we go look at you the nerd the nerd vibe runs deep with you
1: it does because then i realized when we were having a kid i was like oh man darn we already named our dog ollie that would have been cool mm. i'm like oh ollie he's, he's what green arrow archer oh archer is that a name could i make name him archer so it immediately it, my nerd obsession with green arrow did transcend into the realm of naming him archer so there, we there you go. go
0: there you go you need like a superhero that's got something related to brown in it though i don't Mm, know good point is there a brown superhero of some kind Mm. i don't know
1: probably ask rena
0: (laughs) rena help us out in the comments let us know what's (laughs) going on but there you go all right so that catches us up to speed so we got some new stuff so we'll kick on to that segment of new stuff what's new coming soon items actual pen things um so kick it off we have this week starting out if all goes to plan which nothing has for two years but if all goes to plan uh we will have an ink promo for all of our Yafa pens so basically we're going to be giving you a bottle of private reserve full bottle of private reserve ink any color you want and that is going to be available uh for all Yafa distributed pens uh which is quite a few of them that includes uh let's see here diplomat monteverde conklin Oh, I wrote them all down, but I put them further in there. <laughs> I can't even remember even though I came up with them a second ago. Uh, what is it? Tibaldi, Paniter, Paniter, Natuno, Maiora. Yokers, Yookers. There you go. I think we got them all. Diplomat. Yeah. I don't know if I said that, but either way, a whole bunch of pens. So look for that on the site. It'll give you your option for choosing which ink that you want. I think it's all the inks. I'm doubting myself now. Maybe it was just 10 inks. Do you remember, Drew? Shoot.
1: No, but look either way, you'll get, you'll get some you'll free, free stuff. <laughs> stuff. Yeah
0: this is where if i had rachel here she would just tell me the right answer but i'm on my own well you and i are on our own yeah whatever all right so that is definitely happening at some point uh we also uh have some new lami pens that are out or coming out. So the first one we have is the Lami Dialogue CC. Um, It's a basically a compact version of the Lami Dialogue. Uh, It's pretty cool. It's got kind of like a wavy back to it. It does not have a clip on it. It's got a little roll stop. It's in two colors, a dark blue and a white, both with rose gold trim i guess you can call it trim because there's not much trim on the pen but what is there is rose gold and uh it's pretty cool it's got 14 karat nib just like the regular dialogue three does um it's pretty cool little pen so i dig that we actually got to see one in our hands gosh a year ago or something like that it was a long time ago Uh, but then it was delayed for a whole bunch of reasons and then we found out that it was coming back and we're gonna get one small shipment of it I'm going to stop talking about it because we probably already overhyped it, but uh, if you're on the email notification list, jump on it real super quick uh, because I don't think we're going to get more of these until January. So Lamy's had you know some delays on certain things, and this one for sure was one of them, um, but it's kind of a cool pen. Cartridge converter pen, just like their regular Dialog 3. Um, 439 MSRP will have it for a little under 400 um, so that's pretty cool and i, I dig it i like it. it's a little more compact than the full dialogue 3 that thing looks like a hot dog um which i don't mind but it's you know kind of long a little bit big for some people this one's a little more compact version i think it's yeah i cool. always
1: thought that the dialogue 3 looked like one of those memory eraser things oh that from men in black. black had absolutely
0: yeah. well see they originally came out they only had the palladium one but then once they came out with the black one it was like oh yeah
1: i've seen this before that's right wait no the men in black one, that was a silver thing, wasn't it?
0: No, it was black. It was a black thing. Yeah. True, it's called Men in Black, not Men in Silver. I'm pretty sure that their little thing was silver though. Oh gosh. You know movies better than I do. I have not seen that movie in probably 20 years, so I don't mm-hmm. know. It's been a while to, for me, too. You to Google it real quick and look at the pictures of it. Anyway. Rena, <laughs> <laughs> Where's Rena? at? Uh, <laughs> and then the other Lamy pen that we have coming out, it's not available yet, but maybe next week or so we'll have it. Um, it's the Lamy Idios. And this is a oh. new Lamy model, which we don't see all that often. I think the last... Well, I guess <laughs> I say that, the Lamy Dialogue CC is technically a new model, so... Never mind. Literally, just talked about a new one, but this is a, di- a different new one. Uh, the idios—I think that's how it's pronounced. I don't actually know whether it's idios, idios, some other pronunciation. I don't know. This is a problem with living online—is we don't actually know how to pronounce things, but we're just going to go with that idios uh it's got the steel nib similar to the ion so it's kind of that like fatter nib interchangeable with all the other lamy nibs except for the 2000 and it's uh an interesting shape it's got like this teardrop shape to it so if you're really into symmetry you're gonna really hate this pen because it is not symmetrical it is teardrop well i guess it's symmetrical like sort of If you're looking at, like, the end of the pen down the middle, it's kind of symmetrical. But but but
1: the way the the clip sits on the cap, it's not symmetrical at all. It's, like, it sits on the side of it. I don't know. And it it it, posts the way the CP1 used to post with those little tabs on the back. Yeah,
0: it's got to post a very specific direction because, again, that kind of, like, teardrop shape, it basically has, like, one point. If you think about, like, if it was a square, but you rounded off three of the corners, so it still has one corner, but the rest of it's round. It's a very interesting shape. And, you know this is one of those that's like really hard to show online like how it might be in person because it's like a very tactile experience some people are going to love it some people are going to hate it it's it's not as like sharp and distinct as say like a a lummy safari grip would be like that kind of triangular grip but it has sort of a similar essence to it where you kind of have to hold it a certain way because of that teardrop shape it's not going to give you supreme flexibility like a Lamy 2000 or a Lamy studio would that just has a perfectly round grip. So that teardrop shape continues onto the grip. So very curious how this is received. It looks really cool. It's definitely got kind of that, like art artistic kind of vibe it's definitely a very designy kind of pen uh, i'm just curious how it feels when people actually start to write with it um, i haven't gotten to spend a lot of time with it i did get to see it gosh i think we were shown this pen a long time ago they were going to launch it last year ran into a bunch of delays covid obviously and then uh we just found out like a couple of weeks ago that it was going to be coming in we're like oh okay so let's get used to that real quick. So it'll be 140-ish, uh, 139 MSRP. So it'll be a little less than that. But uh, yeah, it should be interesting. Cartridge converter, you know, standard Lamy Fair. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. It's like a palladium kind of color. Um, that's the only color option at the moment. I don't know if they're going to expand that or what, but I don't know. Kind of cool.
1: It's definitely interesting. Yeah. Um, also coming up here in the next uh, week or so, we are going to uh, have the opportunity to have some North American exclusive Tachia pens some more urushi pens which we're really really excited about so they will be available worldwide but in the u.s or in north america Goulet pen company is going to be your place to get these things so oh, yeah. we have had some Tachiya urushi pens they did really well they were absolutely gorgeous they were flat top pens these are going to be more of the traditional cigar shaped pens mm-hmm. and uh they're going to be i believe five different designs they all look very unique very interesting not just your standard black with some sprinkles they look they have a very very wide color variety and um yeah that's something that's going to be uh new for us yeah hopefully new for you too so we're pretty stoked about those definitely um they've got a nice uh like kind of cushioned cap um cartridge converter pens and they come in some really cool uh pen kimonos as well so Mm -hmm. the packaging is really really choice on these and i know everybody's been wanting more updates on my challenges with the pelican twist (laughs) good news we ordered some pelican brand converters to see if maybe even though these look identical to the other standard international converters that we've been trying maybe there's something that we cannot see about these that makes them magically special turns out there is they are magical and special and they fit just fine in these things and i don't (laughs) nice i'm just not I'm, i'm i'm not gonna ask questions anymore they fit so we will go ahead and green light these things um i don't know when they're going to come but we'll at least get them in so get excited i guess if this is your jam they're pretty interesting um but at the very least we'll have functioning converters and even if you did want to use a converter you had laying around we i did figure out that if you just put it in the barrel and you fill directly into the converter that should work just fine too so finally going to close the book on me trying to shove random converters into these things so yay for that and be happy for me
0: if i'm not mistaken the converters that are we're getting you know kind of specifically for the twist those will work on other pens too
1: yeah like they look to me to the naked eye they look just like any other standard there must just be like
0: some super fine tolerance my guess is that there's something not on the part that actually grabs onto the post on the back of that feed that's got to be the same fit otherwise you would have leaking issues and stuff my guess is that the thickness on the outside of that business end of the converter is different somehow on the traditional standard international converter that we carry versus the new the, the other pelican one i don't even know what to call it the, the twist one i mean technically they all have twist mechanisms in them so even that's confusing but whatever the the clear the more clear cloudy one without the black end on it yeah <laughs> that one that one can be used on any pen that accepts a standard international.
1: Yep, just gotta find one.
0: <sighs> it's amazing how many. All right. It's amazing how many different versions there are of something that's called standard. It's very it's confusing. Standard.
1: Very confusing. It's not standard at all. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, we're looking to do some more rickshaw stuff. So we've got a bunch of the these inky, watery designs. If you've ever seen our um, office tour Q and A two hundred we take it around we've got them on the doors and stuff like that right now we have some of those designs on some rickshaw sleeves and some koozie cases so we're looking to kind of expand that offering Mm -hmm. give you some more color variety so keep your eye out for that as well new rickshaw is always exciting and then we've got this other random thing not really random but not exactly conventional either esterbrook makes these funky little book holders so if you've got a notebook that you really like that does not lay flat, like my, you know, traveler's style Franklin Christoph dude here, like that's not he's not one to cooperate. So the idea is that you take your Esther Brook holder, Esther book holder, and you just slide the little prongs back behind the book and the fountain pen nib in the front of the book. And ta da, it's laying flat enough for you to write on now without having to take your greasy other hand and cover a page that you might want to use later with oils and that's happened to me so i actually was given this by esterbrook like you know last year and i use it all the time for this thing because if i do hold down my book with my other hand i start to write on it and it's all like smeary and gross so
0: i think maybe you should wash your hands more or something drew i don't know
1: i am not a super oily person brian but come on man we're all humans i think (laughs)
0: mostly most of us are yeah
1: so so anyway, I think that's that, gonna be about twenty bucks or something like that. But it's a neat little, it's a nifty gifty, Brian.
0: Mm, nifty gifty. I think the main takeaway here is that Drew has been the champion of this particular product, and if you don't like it, you can blame Drew one hundred percent and hold him accountable for that, since he is uh, basically the one responsible for us bringing this thing in.
1: Feel free to blame me for just about anything. He is a pretty good scapegoat. I will i will accept responsibility for an equal amount of all the things i am blamed for
0: (laughs) there you go all right well that's all the new stuff that we got to talk about right now uh let's moving on to q and a drew we got a good five questions or so hey so let's hit it well
1: brian we're gonna start off with the rare twofer Mm. here on the pencast okay so last time i asked for questions by the way whenever i ask questions i do it on the instagrams so if you are listening go ahead and check out our instagram every now and then because we want to hear from you but last time i asked for questions two people brian asked very similar questions uh pg Zamet and gustavo suchu both asked basically what are the best inks for flex nibs or flex pens mm. and because we had two people ask that i was like well we have to answer this one
0: right i mean no but at least two people would care about our answer <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> i think we do i think we do brian we're definitely more inclined to answer stuff if it's uh something that seems to be popular and burning on people's minds but yeah there you go fair enough um yeah you put some good notes in here. My first comment was I was going to second what you said. So I second... Oh, okay.
1: Well, I'll go ahead and, I'll go ahead and throw this says. out there so you can second it. All right. Well, get ready. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get ready to be seconded. Yep. It really depends on whether or not your feed is up to the challenge of your nib. There mm. are a lot of modern flex nibs out there that are great, like really great. However, a lot of the times the feed is not manufactured with the same intentionality as the flex nib someone can make a flex nib be like this thing's going to flex it's going to do all these things and then we're going to put it on this other nib that is supposed to be a catch-all that's just not going to be true because Mm -hmm. the ink channel for you know a you know something like an extra fine you know that can be super thin but then if you're going to demand a ton of ink from it like using a flex nib that ink channel is not going to keep up it's like, well what are you doing the 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 tunnel is not wide enough you can't ask me for all this ink i'm not going to give it to you because i can't this is a one lane road here buddy you need at least a three lane highway for all the ink that you're asking for you greedy person so um some 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 feeds <laughs> I you were like let
0: flip there for a second
1: <laughs> some, no 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 i have fully fully full control uh some feeds like noodlers like he intentionally makes a big honking ink channel oh yeah um he, he grinds those all himself and uh with ebonite you can do that yourself but mm-hmm. At your own risk. It's a little easier to do with ebonite than it is melty plastic. Yeah. Um. So if your feed is up to the challenge, then you can pretty much use anything. And you might even want to go with something a little bit more dry or something a little bit more viscous with some pigment to slow things down. Mm-hmm. You never know. Yeah. But many feeds are not up to the task so if you do have a flex nib like what um, you'll see on the uh, conklin and monteverde omniflex nibs you're probably going to want to go with something pretty wet because with those you're dealing with just kind of a run-of-the-mill feed situation and if you've ever looked at those feeds you've got two tiny tiny little ink channels um, going parallel and they're not gonna they're not gonna be able to keep up most of the time yeah so if you're like uh, flexing
0: super hard yeah a lot of it's going to depend on your writing style the type of paper that you're using how absorbent it is you know flex is basically going to be like the most demanding you know ink performance that your pen could possibly require so some of it this is why you won't have like one universal answer to a question like this because people have different writing styles and it becomes like infinitely more variable when you add flex into the mix so you just gonna have to experiment a little bit
1: yep and they do make uh, some inks, like Noodler's makes a couple inks that he formulated specifically for use in his flex pens, like Black Swan and Australian Rose. Mm-hmm. I, I think Navajo Turquoise might be one. Um, so those mm-hmm. inks are better for flex nibs because they have, like, all these are water based inks. Well, most of them, anyway. Yeah. Um. So they have more water in them, like, and they're going to. Flow—that's—it's—it's a, it's a weird thing to say. An ink is wet versus not wet because I mean we're talking about <laughs> They're liquid all wet, here, but yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, but some are more wet than others, and that is because they just kind of have less stuff going on in them. Mm-hmm. They're more more water than not. You know, there's there are fewer th- things in the ink that's going to slow down its movement. Mm-hmm. So a great way to do that is to just buy some samples. Give it a test. Check it out. And we have a ton of reviews, really great reviews on our website. It even has sliders so people can select how wet it is. So if you trust your fellow man, fellow fountain pen user, then you can take advantage of those as well.
0: There you go. Yeah, I kind of second what Drew said there. Um, Experimentation is definitely going to be required. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, one of the Gustavo basically said, you know, the FA nib on the Custom 912. So um, that's a pilot nib that they technically call that kind of a soft nib that's not necessarily advertised as a flex nib but it does flex quite a bit um so that Eroshizuku inks usually are pretty good performers when it comes to flex and they're not like super duper saturated so you can usually get some nice uh color variation and things like that i think anything with good shading properties is going to look pretty great in a flex pen Uh, Like Drew said, Black Swan and Australian Roses by Noodlers is like an all-time favorite of mine. Uh, Nathan formulated that ink when the Noodlers Flex Pen first came out, kind of specifically for you know, showing it off in a flex pen. So it does flow pretty well, but also it just looks really cool because it shades from like a black to a kind of maroon burgundy color. So that looks really good. Um, as far as the go, goes, I love Konpeki and Yamabudo. Those are both really good, but a lot of the, the colors look great. Um, I love Diamine Marine. It's nothing special about that necessarily as a flex, Pen ink, but uh, it just gets great shading. Uh, Drew mentioned Navajo turquoise. It's right in that same, you know, kind of vein in terms of its shading. Navajo Navajo turquoise is a little like bluer, Uh, marine is a little greener. Uh, So I like both of those. Anything in kind of the turquoise family I find tends to shade pretty darn well. Uh, I love Newer's Apache Sunset that is like an all-time just shading champion, and I think it looks really great, especially because you get some of that similar effect like you do with the Black Swan, Australian Roses. Not only do you get shading, but you get almost like a, a hue change, kind of like an ombre effect from like a red to an orange to a yellow With that apache sunset depending on how much ink it puts down so you can really get some cool effects you know when everything works well with flex you can get some really really cool effects not just with the line variation but with also some of the shading and stuff it's pretty rad Um, and then this one can be really hit or miss but the shimmering inks some of those you can get some similar properties or anything with a heavy sheen to it you know basically any ink that you have that has you know, a property to it where you, if you put it down really heavy, it has something unique that happens to it. You know, the heavy sheeners and the shimmer inks are both fall into that category. Um, So Urban Emerald of Chavor falls into that group. Um, These, you know, you're going to be pushing the limits with some of these properties. Some of the flowier flex pens, like the Noodler's ones, um, will generally handle these types of inks a little better. If you have something like Drew said, that is maybe tends to starve a little bit when he flex it out the feed doesn't quite keep up putting anything that has any type of pigmentation or shimmer or something in it that will kind of exacerbate those issues a little bit so you're going to be into even more considerations in terms of slowing down you know making sure the thing is cleaned out not drying out that kind of thing Uh, but you can get some really cool effects with it so i think anything that has unique properties you're going to draw more of those properties out with a flex pen so you know basically whenever you're getting into flex things are not going to go perfectly you're pushing the limits of the pen you're getting to some unique stuff there's more variables so just be prepared for that and if you can be patient and kind of learn the nuances of it you can have a lot of fun and do some really cool things that you can't do with any other pen and you can have an absolute blast
1: indeed and taking off my goulet hat and putting on my fountain pen user hat gustavo i own a 912 as well and uh wasn't having an ideal experience with it my feed wasn't able to keep up with my um, bounciness so i went to a website called flexible dot com and i bought a aftermarket ebonite feed which almost certainly voided my warranty so keep that in mind but you can actually select on yeah. this person's website between a two channel and a three channel so you can really get a gusher if you want to um they're only like 30 bucks or something like that so that's an option if you want to go that route
0: there you go no affiliation there you go good stuff it, yeah, it absolutely voids your warranty if you are <laughs> swapping out the parts of your pen. But hey, yeah, it's worth it, right? You got you got to risk it big if you want to win big. I guess. Are you winning? Mm-hmm. Are you winning big? I don't know. That's not. The...
1: I I felt like I was. Yeah.
0: <laughs> nice. It's one, of, it's one of my favorite pens. All right, good stuff. All right, next question we got this is from Platsfuerzuek. What? Not bad. Oh, thank you. What? to do with pens that tend to dry out quickly any kind of special storing sealing etc Um, yeah, this is a, this is an interesting question. So pens tend to dry out. So this, this can be for a variety of reasons. So it is kind of tough to answer, you know, with one specific answer, um, like with anything with fountain pens, it depends. Uh, I think, you know, definitely like humidity can help. So if you're in a very arid, very dry environment that tends to dry out your pens quicker because what, you know, water is the main component in your fountain pen ink. And if you have very dry air, that water is going to evaporate out of the ink uh, a little quicker. Um, obviously if you have a really well sealed pen, that'll help quite a bit, but, um, you know, for sure, if you're leaving your pen, you know, out or you're writing for long periods and it's just kind of like sitting out for a long time, it can even dry out a little bit just kind of as you're using it. Um, so, um, you know, you, there's no like pen humidor (laughs) or anything like that. As far as I'm aware, that is probably a bit much, but, um, I have known people that have been in very dry environments and they've had a pen that just doesn't seal very well. They put it in a Ziploc bag or some other like kind of airtight container. Um, sometimes more for just carrying it around so that it doesn't like leak if you're traveling around with it. But, you know, certainly if you're sealing something up in like an airtight bag, you know, that is controlling the humidity of the environment. It could, could be something to try. It's kind of cheap. You probably have, you know, a sandwich bag or a snack bag or something. Maybe you'd give it a try if you're kind of desperate to, to do that. Um, I think the pen storage, just the way you store the pen. You know, some people, they like to store their pens nib up and they're like very adamant about always doing that. Um, I personally... Don't like to do that except for just convenience sake because if I have a pen stand, it's just easy to store them standing up. Um, but in terms of actually keeping the pen inked up and, and ready to use, it's actually my least favorite storing. Orientation, I generally like to have them stored horizontally because that basically keeps the ink kind of on the same plane as the nib and it's a little more kind of like ready to go. Uh, I find if I have a pen that dries out a lot, storing it nib down actually is the best thing because then gravity kind of like forces the ink to be closer to the nib and as any type of evaporation is happening off of the nib itself, the ink that's in the ink chamber is kind of working its way down you get more of those uh crustaceans possibly from (laughs) from barnacles more of those barnacles uh if you have a pen you know that tends to do that and you have an ink that tends to crust crustate uh crustify uh and and barnacleize. And, uh, and, and you leave it nib down like that. That's when you'll see like some of the craziest looking, you know, stuff that you might see on the internet with people that get the crusty stuff on their nib. Uh, storing a nib down will definitely kind of exacerbate that a little bit. So anyway, just trying storing them in some different orientations can actually make a surprisingly big difference. Um, and then the last tip I have is, is is not really related to how it's stored or anything, but basically if you find that the pen's a little dry, your ink is still good. Like you still have ink in there. It's not complete. Completely dried out like i tend to leave my pens before i clean them but you know you've just it's been a few days or maybe a week or two you know it's still inked up it would basically be ready to go it's just the ink is not quite flown through the feed at that point so you can kind of prime it a little bit um you can definitely do that with you know if you have the bottle of ink that you filled it with and it's at your desk kind of at the ready you can just dip the pen into the ink and that can usually reconstitute anything that's dried onto the nib um, and get it flowing again or if you have like a cup of water or if you want to just drip a little bit you know in your sink or whatever whatever you got handy um, you know I think if you have just like a little disposable cup of water and you have a little water cup or something you can just kind of pour it in dip it in. don't put it in the water that you're drinking obviously Um, but you know just kind of wetting the nib can be enough to re-kind of saturate it might seem a little wet when you first start writing with it you know just because it's mostly water uh but that'll reconstitute and and kind of liven it back up and, and get it flowing again so a nice little hack there if you um have anything that you need to kind of get it get it running again but that's uh, that's my advice what you to got
1: Avoid bar- barn Yeah, yeah uh, I've, <laughs> I've got three points i want to cover mm. point 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 one, a wet ink is a good idea because I came up with an analogy, right? So get ready for this. Okay. So the feed is like a bucket, right? It's got some ink in it, and you don't want that ink to evaporate, right? Okay. So if that bucket is full of just water, the water is going to evaporate slower than if you were to have Water and rocks in the bucket because there's less water, right? The rocks in this scenario represent pigment or any other type of non watery thing in the ink to get it to do a certain thing be it, you know, shady, sheeny, funkiness, or some sort of a pigment that gives it permanence, okay. something like that. So, if it's mostly water, it will evaporate slower. So, I believe, based on my science, that a wetter ink will not dry out as fast, right?
0: Seriously. So that works. Fountain pen feed is a bucket of rocks?
1: No, it's 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 like it's 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 the rocks are representative of of pigment and things. Mm. Meaning there's there's there there are elements that would make the water dry out sooner because there's less in there.
0: I got you. So you're basically yeah. if, if there's if there's more other stuff and less water, then it's gonna dry out quicker. Exactly. Okay, so so kind of moving away from just that as a like visual analogy, because I'm just like I, <laughs> okay, I can't get flawed. a bucket of rocks out of my head. But um <laughs> if you like, for example, like what are some of the inks that you maybe hear about that tend to dry out more like that? Um
1: Well, let's just take 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 um you know, uh oh, oh god, god nitrogen, dude. Organic studio. It dries nitrogen. out super fast. Yeah. Right,
0: yeah. See, I think that so with that, you have a lot of dye, right? Super, super saturated ink. Like you probably can't get more dye. It's it's like suspended in that, in that water. Um, So dye is drier than water. Like that tends to slow the flow down. So kind of like what you're saying. Um, And so oftentimes, and this is, this is where it gets tough for us because we don't know the breakdown of the different components of what's in basically any fountain pen ink because it's all proprietary stuff it's all you know trade secrets and all that we have no idea really even necessarily what is in there let alone proportions and stuff like that so we're kind of left to water and
1: dye that's pretty much what we got
0: more or less yeah we know there's water we know there's dye often there's some kind of biocide to keep things from growing in it not always not every brand does but most do Um, you have usually some kind of salinity some salt kind of that's added to it and then um, usually like a glycerin or some kind of surfactant so that helps with the flow uh, again we have no idea what proportions or what com- exact components or anything um, but we know that basically water water is kind of like the standard you want that you want it to flow it's going to do well um, dye is drier and the surfactant the glycerin is going to be basically wetter less viscous so you're trying to balance out sort of the dyes and the the glycerin so What happens is, you know, if you have a really, really saturated ink, the dye, they have to basically balance it out with with more of that surfactant, which then is going to I don't know exactly how it affects dry time, to be quite honest with you, but I know in terms of like flow. Or sorry, not dry time, drying like in the pen. I know drying on the paper, the more heavily saturated inks tend to take longer to dry on the page because of the flowing agents that they put in there to keep it moving through the pen. That's what usually makes heavily saturated inks take longer to dry on the page. But I, I would assume that there's some relationship there with it drying in the pen, but I actually have no friggin' idea. So um, it is a bit mysterious, and we can't unfortunately say with absolute definition like which inks will dry quicker and slower and stuff like that out in a pen. Um, but you know, we wouldn't. So we wouldn't be doing a pen well, cast if we didn't dance on the edge of the line of the things that we actually know about. And I'm I'm right there. I'm like lost in the woods now. So I'm gonna hand it back over. to well, you the could
1: you could you could have just gone with bucket of rocks, but you decided to just go down a brian rabbit hole yeah yeah (laughs) um anyway point two um monteverde makes an uh sorry private reserve makes infinity inks and they work really well they're engineered to not dry out and i actually had a pen that dried out a lot and it was kind of put in put into exile Sadly, but I was like, "Well, this is a good candidate for me to try out this new ink." I did, and it wrote wonderfully, and I never had a problem with it again. So I would highly hmm. recommend that. Um, nice. If you have a pen that's uh, that dries out quickly, grab an Infinity and see how that does. There you go. Um, and then number three, don't ink up a bunch of pens. Aww. Some of you know I'm an advocate of only keeping a few pens inked up. If you keep a bunch of pens inked up, odds are, even if one of them only caps okay it can become problematic when you reach for it If you keep three pens inked up like me you can write with them more often and kind of keep that ink flowing keep it nice and charged up ready to go minimize the risk of drying out
0: that's it i can't disagree with you on that drew in terms of not having pens dry out on you while you're using them using three at a time instead of the dozens or whatever that i might have inked up at any one time definitely a more sustainable strategy <laughs> and that's often why i might have pins that just get completely crusted out because if it kind of dries out <laughs> on me and i'm like ah, i don't want to deal with this and then i you know have another one inked the barnacle up, or, life yeah that's bar- my barnacle life right there you know i like <laughs> the barnacles what can i say um, yeah that's definitely, right. that's definitely a good approach all right well there we go
1: that was that was that was a bit of a a dive okay so brian nolan asks Mm. why do some manufacturers manufacture and charge more than a hundred dollars for steel nib pens Mm. especially when there are gold nib options which they need to compete with being offered at lower price Mm. for example the diplomat Arrow. why would i grab something like that when i have brands like sailor offering gold nibs at a lower price that's a good question nolan
0: I don't quite understand the arrow and the sailor comparison because the steel nib arrow is less expensive than a gold nib sailor. But I I get what you're saying, Nolan.
1: Yeah, I but guess they're, they're I guess they're comparable.
0: Yeah, but I mean, so you have like the I don't know the pilot. You certainly
1: do have gold nibs that are more expensive than. Uh, sorry, you certainly do see steel nib pens being sold more expensively than some gold nib pens for sure.
0: Absolutely, you definitely see that. You see that across brands when you're comparing like one brand to another so yeah you go with like an edison or herbert or you know something like that or a diplomat right the Arrow. so yeah those pens are going to be more expensive than a pilot e95s or maybe a pilot custom 74 even a Lamy 2000 right so yes there are definitely gold nib pens that can be less expensive than some steel nib pens i think once you get into the entry level gold nib pens things start to get a little muddy because there often tends to be kind of a jump in price going from steel nib to gold nibs uh but it's not completely exclusive like that i mean the nib
1: you know what is sorry to um to the uh to nolan's point here Mm. we do have the um the vega Pro Gear Slim is exactly the same price as a steel nib Diplomat Arrow at 180 right now.
0: Oh, okay, all right, all right. So, I stand so the,
1: yeah, so we do have a few of them. There's there's a, quite a range as far as Sailor goes. So
0: so it is possible. Okay, it certainly is possible. All right, fair enough, fair enough. But the essence of the question is still the same. Uh, right. We don't need to get into the semantics of it, but basically, like, yeah, why why are steel nib pens worth kind of more potentially, or why are they charging more than another company might charge for a gold nib pen. So uh, what I would say is you're, you're, you're getting different features of the pen, right? There's some other element of the pen that's adding its value rather than just the nib. So certainly if you have a pen of the same model, like you can use the arrow as an example. You can get a diplomat arrow with a steel nib and you're in that like 180 range. If you get that with a gold nib, you're in the 350 range, same pen just going up to the nib so yes there's a huge jump just going with the nib however i find that when you're comparing an entry-level gold nib pen which is mostly what we're talking about because that's sort of the entry level anything in like the the sub 250 300 range kind of like that that's where it crosses over the most with some of the higher end steel nib pens that's when you, there are other elements of the pen. You're not exactly comparing apples to apples, right? Like there are certain pens that are staples in those less expensive gold nib pens, you know, where it's a really good value and you get a great writing experience. But, you know, you look at a pen like the Custom 74, it's a great writing pen. I love that pen, but like the body of the pen, the material it's made of and stuff like that, it's it's not like the nicest pen, right? Like you're 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 not getting a lot of unique design elements and really exotic materials and and great theming and stuff like that you're getting sort of a basic body of a pen it's a very solid pen but you're not getting a lot of the niceties that you would get if you got a more expensive pen body right but you're getting that nice gold nib uh if you have you know dollar for dollar if you have a pen that's got a steel nib and it's that same price you should be getting some other nicer Features on the rest of the pen maybe in the filling mechanism maybe in the material maybe it's some limited edition nature maybe it's more of a handmade thing from more of an art a craftsman an artisan as opposed to more of a mass-produced pen you know ideally there should be some other element to it that makes it cost more it's not always the case necessarily or it might be that there's some actual cost that makes it cost that and it's just not something that you value <laughs> So you don't see the value in it, in which I would say don't buy it because it's not something of value to you. Um, you know, but it, it definitely muddies up the water quite a bit. And Drew, we've seen this because it used to be a lot more distinct. It used to be that like if a steel nib pen was pushing up into like the gold nib pen kind of price range, it was like really pushed back against and it was yeah. had to be heavily, heavily justified. But I mean, part of my argument is that a lot of steel nibs are pretty good and pretty reliable and yes gold nibs have their place for sure and are worth it in a lot of ways to a lot of people it's not like every gold nib is better than every steel nib or better for every person you know i think there's a lot of people that like the stiffer nib feel they like a little bit more of that feedback they like maybe the way that certain steel nibs write better than most gold nibs, and the value may not be there for most of the gold nibs um so you could make that argument both ways. but I would say that if you're comparing pens that overlap that closely in price, you're finding that you're kind of getting like a little more pen, like especially in the pen body on the steel nib, than you are for the comparably priced gold nib pen. The gold nib pen is tend to be lighter, probably more plastic not as you know elaborate or exotic kind of thing um, whereas you're probably getting more of those special elements on the steel nib pen
1: yeah and more or less it boils down to how much did this pen cost to make unless you're mm-hmm. a brand who has made the decision to upcharge a bit based on your brand's reputation and perceived value and kind of just where you want to stay positioned in the market, then you know i mean that's certainly a thing but most of the time it is just because hey this pen costs this much to make so we need to pay you know we need to at least sell it for this much and honestly i was looking at our website right now brian sailor is a great way to kind of define this so The Vega, for example, is a pretty flat blue color with some little bit of sparkles in there, but that's it. It's just one color, gold trim. That's 180 right now as of this recording. The 2-Hot Habanero, same model, Pro Gear Slim, a whole lot more going on. That one's 280, so you're talking still has a gold nib hundred dollars more for -hmm. the same pen model Mm -hmm. but we're talking it's got a unique finial it's got more than one type of plastic so you've got a demonstrator component and then an opaque component to the uh, acrylic that it's made out of that's simply an example of one pen costing more to manufacture because it's got different stuff to it and they need to you know they need to pay a little bit more to get it done so you're going to pay a little bit more to have it in your collection
0: yeah absolutely yeah i think one misnomer is that like manufacturing cost is the only element that factors into what something costs. I mean, where it's manufactured, the different currency conversion rates, what taxes are levied, you know, moving from one country or one continent to another. All these come into play. So you put all that into the fruit salad of factors of determining a pen's (laughs) ultimate price, right? Because the thing is, we're on the internet, so we see prices at different stores and all that. We're not thinking that deeply about maybe where it's coming from or where it originated and all that. But there's all these logistics along the way that have to be factored in that do make a difference. Even just like even the pen material that it's made of can be taxed differently when it comes to like export and import and stuff like that so pens that are made of plastic might be one you know cost of like duties and and customs fees going to a different country whereas a you know metal pen might be different whereas a precious metal something like you know with jewels or gold or whatever may be completely different you know category of of taxes based on whatever agreements that those countries have come up with. So there's all these like behind the scenes factors that go into it that happen after the actual point of manufacture, and that all kind of factors into it as well. And sometimes, you know, um, that can, that can throw things off in a way that may not even make a lot of sense to, to us as, you know, when we look at the final end product, uh, and sometimes, you know, there's a great idea that a manufacturer has for and that that needs work and it might work in one market but not in another because of all these other kind of behind the scenes factors um and so that's why sometimes you see pens available you know like for example a Pilot and sailor and all them—they have a lot of pens that are available in Japan and not in the U.S. or not in Europe or whatever. Sometimes that's because by the time you factor in all the facts, the the taxes and shipping costs and all these other things, the price gets so out of hand where it can't be justified in that market. So then it's only offered in Japan and all these types of things. Um, you know, so it, it gets it gets complicated, but you know, there's usually a number of factors involved that are probably just like inside baseball and not all that interesting to everybody, but ultimately, you know, it boils down to is this something that you're interested in? Do you see the value? It's not purely just the price means it's a better pen or that you're going to be happier with it. There's a lot of factors that go into it. Cool. Well, there we have it. All right. Next one we have, this is, uh, Drew and I talked about this one. We're we're definitely diving a bit deep into something we don't know as much about which is on familiar territory for us here. Um, this is from Ben's ink and paper. How do you fill a Yorushi emperor? So a, a Namiki emperor. Um, yeah. So we have handled these emperors. We've sold them, a few of them, uh, but we do not own them personally and have not like used them for extensive periods of time. Uh, so we know how to do this and we know how to answer this question, but I will just be honest and say, I'm not drawing from a, deep well of personal experience having used this pen inked uh that's me personally because i they're very expensive and i do not own them so
1: maybe one day but as as of now neither brian nor myself are the proud owners of a namiki emperor that's right um but they do fill in a pretty unique way and it might surprise you because it is a large large pen Mm -hmm. But every emperor that we've encountered has been an eyedropper-filled pen, meaning you open up the barrel, it's a big empty reservoir, and you just fill that thing with ink. And it can hold a lot of ink. A lot of ink. And what you can not see in pictures is that at the end of every emperor, there is a knob that you can unscrew you don't see it because these things are manufactured so precise that the knob if you can even call it a knob i feel like you can't even do it because it's just a part of the pen it sits perfectly flush when it meets back up with the barrel when you tighten it back down but if you're familiar with opus 88 it's a similar concept so there's a rod with a gasket at the end however the gasket is not tight to the inner walls of the barrel so it's not a piston filler it is there's a gasket there but the gasket only when it's tightened all the way its only purpose is to seal off the grip section from the rest of the pen just like opus 88 so it doesn't move ink anywhere really um but it does make sure that the massive reservoir of ink that you have doesn't in any way compromise your writing experience because with eyedroppers they are fickle fickle things and if the air ink interchange gets a little wonky you are going to have burps and splatters and it's not going to be fun and with something like the emperor where you can hold you know an ocean's equivalent of ink in the barrel you're talking a mass amount of ink and a massive amount of air moving back and forth so the ability to seal it off is actually imperative so that's what's back there, but uh, yeah, it holds a ton of ink yeah it's, and um
0: uh, yeah. another pen that's similar to it, if you're familiar with the opus eighty eight demonstrator that that visually you can just look that up because we've got that on our site. You can visually see that mechanism it's 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 kind of confusing because it's got like a long rod with a kind of seal in there, it looks almost like a vacuum filler or maybe some kind of piston filler, but that is a similar kind of mechanism into what we're talking about here with the Namiki Emperors. Uh, so that I, I, has, You know that's
1: what I just said, right, Brian?
0: Yeah, I was sort of like formulating my response <laughs> as okay. we were talking. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I just showed my hand that I don't actually listen to you while he's talking. Wow. Wow, sorry.
1: Whoa, all right, people. I wasn't I going to let you get, get sorry. out of that one. You know like...
0: what it is, too, is like it's it's like raining off and on here, and every time the rain kicks up, like I start thinking about that and i completely i hear words that you're saying but i don't actually hear it so (laughs) woof it's been a long it's been a long day folks you know
1: what being honest is one of our company values and brian well done
0: i can't hide it that was pretty blatant good job (laughs) but anyway but
1: um, i actually spoke to um a customer of ours who uh, as a collector of fine fine namiki pens and he actually says that you he doesn't need to open up that That valve and allow ink into the feed and section very often because if you've ever seen a namiki emperor feed and i'll try to put an image up if i can the feeds on those things are monstrous they Mm -hmm. hold a ton of ink honestly brian you've tested it like an average feed holds like what like about a half a converter's worth of ink it holds a lot
0: yeah yeah about that so
1: like i would i would not be surprised if the feed of an emperor holds the equivalent of a standard international converter. probably
0: probably like, i don't know i've never measured it, it but yeah
1: yeah it's it's a lot so honestly you just need to write with it and then every now and then when it's getting a little dry open it up a little bit mm-hmm. you know let the ink go and then tighten it back down and you know you're good to go for another you know very lengthy writing session so they're extraordinarily practical pens and the pens Contrary to what you might think, looking at them, they are meant to be written with and used.
0: Yeah, and you can actually unscrew the back and let. I'm just kidding. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very intentionally like, okay, I have to listen to Drew saying.
1: That. <laughs> you have to listen to Drew. Oh no!
0: Part of it too is like I've got Drew's like video screen like way over here. And then I've got the camera here. I'm trying to look at the camera, and when I'm doing that, I'm not watching Drew's face. So it's I'm, anyway doesn't That's doesn't good. help with my listening been, skills. Uh, but I've <laughs> been
1: making a lot of faces at you.
0: Fair enough. You could. Um, and to to kind of wrap this question up, you know, we've we've spoken with you know folks at at Pilot, and you know, even though these are expensive pens, right? These are some of the more expensive pens out there that you'll see. Is these Emperors, especially with all the handwork and the macchié and all that? They are true pieces of art. But, you know, the misnomer with that is that, you know, oh, they're beautiful pens that you just kind of sit there and admire on your desk. But actually, the artisans who make these pens, it gives them, like, no greater satisfaction than knowing that someone is going to be inking these pens up, carrying them around, and using them. So it actually brings them tremendous joy to know that they are actually going to be inked up and used on a regular basis because that's what they're meant to do. They are they are tools, but they are they're, you know, artwork as well so they sort they serve that dual purpose all right we got one more Drew. absolutely
1: yes brian Mm. marianne's book life asks on instagram what's the process for developing and launching a Goulet exclusive pen Mm. how much input do you Ellipses. dot 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 um, so <laughs> we can uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing marianne was probably saying like how much input do you generally have or something yeah. like that which um, varies but uh, yeah i'll yeah. let you handle this one
0: yeah i mean the truth is it does vary a whole lot depending on the brand depending on the model you know marianne you specifically asked about exclusive pens uh, because we've done some exclusive inks and notebooks and other things too. There's nuances with all of those, but uh, we've definitely done more exclusive pens than anything. Um, So, you know, for example, uh, let's go with Retro 51. We did several exclusives with them uh, and we are looking at, you know, a future potential Retro 51 exclusives as well now that they are you know still up and kicking. Uh so those are pretty straightforward because basically the pen is what it is. They have the Tornado and I mean you get a rollerball and a fountain version, but basically you're starting with the same skeleton uh and you're just building upon that. So there's really no conversation to be had with Retro 51 about you know the pen you know attributes right because it's the same pen it's solid it's a great pen love it but everything around retro is about the design it's about the theme the whatever it is you know there's there's a lot of artistic elements that go into it that's a very extreme example of design stuff that goes into it are you uh, are you transitioning drinks here, Drew? Yes,
1: yes. Vessel number two. <laughs> Did you
0: finish your? Drew had a whole discussion before we started shooting about which drink he's got tea and he's got coffee, and he was like, "Okay, I'm going to drink the tea first because it's not going to keep as warm as it will in this mug. So that this will keep my coffee will be warm and ready for me." Anyway, it's this whole thing. it's <laughs> Very well planned out. Anyway, it's probably the most planning that happens on this podcast. But anyway, the um, not true. Um, So the Retro 51, very extreme example in terms of just pure design, just, you know, ornamentation onto the pen itself. Um, Going to the other extreme, something like an Edison or a Herbert or something where we've worked with a smaller manufacturer of something that is exclusive of ours, you know, something like the Edison Premier or the Ascent. With that, I mean, we're talking materials, of course, but we're talking Okay, which size nib do we want to use? How long do we want the grip? What diameter? We're talking like into the thousandths of an inch. We're literally talking like engineering design talk. You know, it's like, oh, okay, well, we want this to post a little more securely. So let's, you know, this far down on the back of the pen, let's let's shave it down two thousandths so that the cap grips a little more securely when you do it. You know, that's how granular it gets with those exclusives. So, you know, most everything else falls, you know, kind of somewhere in between. We're not designing things to that degree, except for, you know, kind of those specific ones. Um,
1: the, the ascent was fun too, because he sent us, uh, several grip sections to try out several clips to kind of like tape on. So that was mm-hmm. actually pretty, pretty neat. We got to see kind of how it looked.
0: Exactly. And those, honestly, those are some of the harder ones because you basically have so many options. I mean, it's
1: like a blank slate. Yeah. yeah. Where do you begin?
0: And and makes me realize, you know, a company like Edison, where they're really just designing it from scratch and manufacturing every component themselves, it's really overwhelming with just how many options you have, you know. Uh, You kind of get a little bit of paralysis of analysis with every component. So uh, I kind of like it when we have somewhere in between like we have some options to choose from but we're not having to like literally design the pen from scratch um that's it was kind of helpful with it was kind of helpful
1: with sailor um because they have been coming out with so many limited editions and exclusives so we had a good long list of what we didn't want to do because we didn't want to copy any of the multitudinous other le's that they've released in 2020 Mm -hmm. or 2021 so we're like okay well this is cool but you know obviously brian's mentioned this in previous podcasts. like a blue would be super cool but they actually had come out with kind of you know a good amount of blue pens Mm -hmm. pretty recently good looking blue pens yeah um so we went with something that was a little bit different so yeah to to your point having having some sort of like rails on this thing is a lot easier than just coming up with something from nothing
0: definitely and you know there's a lot of other considerations you know you mentioned the the other things that a brand may have, which could be regular edition colors. It could be other, you know, if they do exclusives with us, they could do exclusives with a bunch of other retailers or regional exclusives, or whatever, you know, cause they're thinking globally a lot of times. So there's, um, like timeline and schedule to being considered as well. You know, the last thing we'd want to do is to plan out a pen for six or eight months and then have another retailer come out with one, two weeks before we do that looks the almost exactly the same or is very very similar color so whatever brand we're working with they have to think about okay what are they launching and not everything is public in terms of what's launching so you know we may or may not be privy to the other things that they have in the works so they have to you know converse with us back and forth we might have a really great idea of something we want to do and something that would work well in our schedule and other things we want to come out with but if it conflicts with something else that they have planned there has to be a conversation back and forth so it's always a lot of back and forth a lot of dialogue um you know the stuff that's you know an existing pen and all the guts the components are all similar and it's just you're changing the color you know kind of like with sailor like they're very solid their pens are stable the models are very set and we're pretty much talking about colors like component colors you know they still have to do samples you know we get like basically chip colors we give them um like a um they're they're more i don't know they're more um what's it called formal like processized in terms of their samples like we get like chips we have an idea and we're like okay we want this um uh, what's the name of the code like the cm cmyk the um hex code hex code yeah so we give them a hex code and we say okay we're thinking about these you know three colors or something like that they take those hex codes they then (coughs) excuse me it's like, okay, do we want translucent or opaque or what degree of translucency? Okay. So there's some flexibility there within the material itself. Uh, but then they give us chips basically like, you know, one or two inch squares that show us in real life what those materials look like. And sometimes we're like, oh yeah, that's, that's not really what we're going for. That's why we always do multiple options. So then once we narrow down, we're like, oh, this looks really good. Then we request a sample of the actual pen. So we can see essentially a prototype of the actual final thing. Then they do that. Then they come back and then we are like, yeah, this looks awesome. Let's do it. So this is like a multiple month process, right? Um, And so they only do so many of those and they do them with retailers all over. So they're very defined in this process. Others, it's, it's a lot less formal than that. I mean, we've had some that you know, essentially we say, oh, we like this material. It looks really good. Can we do it on this pen? And essentially we don't see it until it's done. (laughs) You know, we're just like, I hope it turns out well, you know, and if it's a less expensive pen, you know, it's usually going to be a little less formal than that, you know, because it's pretty much, we know it's going to look pretty good, but it may not be exactly the color that we were thinking that would be, but it'll still look pretty darn good. Um, so it it really varies wildly depending on which manufacturer we're talking about. Um, but yeah, it is a lot of fun. It is very interesting. And, um, you know, we've had, I would say it ranges in timeline between I think the fastest we've ever been able to turn around an exclusive has been like probably four months, three months, four months, something like that.
1: The... the, the um, we've got a retro... That we're working on now that went went pretty 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 smoothly.
0: It, it's gone smoothly, but it's still taken four or five months. Um, you know, especially by the time it's actually delivered, it'll have been probably six months. Um, yeah. We have other, you know, we have other ones that we have had in the works where it's been pushing two years. Um, it really depends, especially when it always gets complicated when you're dealing with you know, more independent, um, you know, kind of smaller, uh, craftsman operations, um, gives you a lot of flexibility, gives you a lot of, um, you know, options, especially if it's somebody that we know personally, that can be really cool. However, their capacity is just not as great as a company like a sailor or something like that or whatever. And so, um, you know, it tends to vary quite a bit in terms of its timeline, um, and in terms of what the options are, um, because they, don't have the same redundancy within their whole operation so if it's like you know there's plans in the works to get you know two or three hundred of a certain pen from a small craftsman it might normally take them six months to get it done but if they end up moving in the middle of it or their spouse gets sick or their kid has something going on okay that delays it a month and then two months or whatever and so there's this we try to keep a lot of these projects in the works at different times. Pretty much none of them ever go to plan (laughs) for various reasons. Um, So we just try to keep a lot of balls in the air at once. That way we always have kind of something, you know, rolling out. Uh, But it certainly keeps life interesting for us
1: it does it does and then coming up with names that's a whole another ball of wax that sometimes we just go in yeah, circles that and is tough we're just like let's just throw some words at a wall and throw a dart at them that's going to be the name like oh my god that's way more challenging than you think it might be also everything is a name of a car we have learned this yeah everything's a car yeah. we have spent so many meetings saying like oh, how about this how about this nope that's a car nope that's a car and it got to the point where we're like okay you know what they're all cars that's fine we're just gonna deal with it
0: that's right we've gone with a lot of like names of space things planets you know locations those are usually pretty safe Mm -hmm. um you know like certain lagoons and bodies of water (laughs) and things like that or those are generally pretty safe um yeah there's that whole like trademarking consideration to be done as well because anytime you put a name to something you know now is this a trademark thing? You know, uh, there's a whole rabbit hole to go down with that. Um, you know, mainly we just want to make sure that we're not calling a pen name, something that already exists within another pen company. You know, the way trademarks work, that's a whole rabbit hole that I'm not going to go down. Cause that's a deep dive that no one wants to go down. Even me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, that's, um, that's a whole other factor. We can have the whole pen done, everything. It looks great. And then when it comes time to actually come up with the name and kind of the marketing aspect of it, that's its own whole yes. thing. God, I mean, there's, there's like stories I've heard you talked about cars, um, you know, especially if they're selling a car globally, I mean, there's famous stories out there of Ford and stuff like that, where they've had, I can't remember which car it was, I want to say it was like the Pinto or something. I don't know. There was something where they were going to sell it. And in Europe, it was like, it was either already trademarked or it meant some kind of curse word or something like that that kind of stuff happens all the time. Culturally, you know, there's, there's words that they use to name products that end up being something like really offensive or off color or, or in complete trademark violation in some other country. Um, that's pretty fascinating. So if you are ever wondering why sometimes things are called different things in different countries, um, that's why it's usually a trademark thing. Like, um, pilot, the E 95 S it's only called that I think in the maybe in just in the US it's called the Elite in um in uh Japan but I think Elite is either like owned by Parker or something like that um but there's some other pen brand that that trademarked the term Elite for a different pen model so they couldn't call it the Elite in the US so just interesting things like that that you get into and we're like we're pretty small fish really in the grand scheme of things and when we're doing these exclusives it's like a one hit thing and and all that you know it's it's not enough pens to really be worth anybody's time to to sue especially if there's it's well intended and we're not like actually trying to take advantage but we are just trying to be prudent and not you know confuse the marketplace so to speak and we definitely don't want to intentionally step on any trademark toes um but that's a that's a whole other thing i said i wouldn't get yes, into indeed. it but i kind of did so let's move on quick before I, <laughs> before we before we beat this dead horse further
1: all right yeah, we're, we're done with q a
0: all right cool so hypothetical
1: hypothetical point says done Um, so you
0: got one for us drew
1: i do i do and i actually came up with it last week brian while you and i were talking about Ah, deepfake technology yes so Mm. let's say brian that sometime in the future actually let's say for the sake of argument it just happened all of a sudden deepfake technology is now flawless indistinguishable for the real thing from the real thing and also it's regulated to the point where you don't need to be worried or scared about identity theft Mm. but in the movie industry they are using it everywhere so you can see any star past present um with any other star fast past present and just kind of like what what movie would you want to see starring who from what time period and um it can be pretty much anything do you want to see you know, uh, Yul Brenner in an action movie with The Rock, a comedy with John Candy and Chris Farley, or a new vacation movie where the director doesn't actually have to work with Chevy Chase. Like, who
0: wouldn't want that, right? <laughs> wow. Oh, my gosh. This is so many options here, Drew. I
1: know. Do, do, do you want me to kind of give you some thinking time? And you do have, your, you
0: do have my permission to ignore me. Um, <laughs> no, I was tracking with everything you said there. Um,
1: no, I'm, I'm saying now. Do you want me to go over what my ideas oh, oh, would be so yeah, you can yeah, yeah. The, so you can yeah, zone you'll,
0: out? You'll get the prompt primed for me here. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. So so zone zone out with my permission. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was thinking um, in the '90s they were actually going to make a Ghostbusters three mm. and. Uh, bill murray didn't want to do it so they're going to go ahead and move ahead so um, they're going to have the original guys but then also (laughs) dan Aykroyd has said that there was going to be like a younger generation they're going to train up and he said that he had in mind chris rock chris farley and ben stiller in the 90s as like the next ghostbusters and i would love to see that of course they you know they're not the 90s self um so that would be really cool Mm. and also I would love it if Daniel Craig were to fight Sean Connery as a Bond villain. Mm -hmm. I think that that would be amazing. Now, we're talking about, like, The Rock, Sean Connery, like, from, like, the the late 90s. Oh, yeah. Um, That Sean Connery as a Bond villain. Mm. Please and thank you. That would be amazing. And if I'm having all of my ways, let's do Expendables 4, Brian. (laughs) But they time travel and they go back to the 80s. So you're talking Stallone in his prime, Schwarzenegger in his prime, Dolph Lundgren, yes, Michael Bean, Kurt Russell, Antonio Banderas, like, oh, and also Sigourney Weaver, Linda Hamilton, some of the most badass ladies of the 80s. Oh, my God. That would be freaking amazing. Boom. Done.
0: That's pretty solid. Yes. I don't know if I would go the route of a sequel. Bet no. Hmm.
1: It could be anything the world is your barnacle my friend
0: interesting see i haven't i haven't seen a whole lot of movies recently i've really gotten out of movies uh, well, that's I just a crime. I just don't have an. I just don't have the time and attention. I to, know. To I, I I watch less than I. I would like to watch more
1: than I do. But still, like th- think about like actors that have passed on that you'd mm. like to see. What about uh, Clint Eastwood and uh, John Wayne in a western together, something like that? Mm. Um, I know. You, I I don't think you're a big western fan, but you know I'm something not, like that. You, you know? know, do would do you want to bring back Paul Walker, Brian?
0: You know, well, yeah. Is that what
1: you're gonna do? No, don't do that. Come on, there are so many other possibilities i mean
0: fast and furious is one of my favorite franchises no question i like your idea of the daniel craig fighting sean connery that's oh right that's solid that's solid either that or um pierce brosnan and uh is it timothy dalton you mm-hmm. know have the two of them together i'm just kidding they're, they're both
1: pierce brosnan <laughs> would actually be a great villain but he can do that now we don't need deep fake to do that
0: true true Gosh, that's a good question, Drew. I don't know. I don't have anything like burning at the top of my mind because I uh just don't remember enough to actually make this a thing.
1: I did hmm. I I will say that this this is a brainer. I, I took I took some time to think about mine. Yeah. So that it
0: is a little unfair. It is a really thought provoking question. I'm trying, All to, right, well, let, let, I'm let, trying to let, think let if let like some some kind of like um I'm trying to think if there's some kind of like uh, uh Un, unfulfilled childhood movie or theming of some kind that that wasn't done right or that is missing from my life and I, I just can't think of anything
1: or you could just have a new Fast and Furious movie with a villain from the 80's who is no longer in his prime like what about like 1995 Al Pacino as like Fast and Furious villain maybe no? I don't know if that would translate
0: I don't know how that would do
1: mm, okay alright well
0: You know? Okay. All
1: right. All right. Oh, Oh, what about? Oh, Steve McQueen. I I was thinking like
0: have. Okay, I got one for you. So take maybe like somewhat Expendables esque style. Take some of the greatest like race car drivers of old, the Steve McQueens, Paul Newman, Charles Bronson, Paul Newman. You know, like all these greats, David Hasselhoff. Yeah, like all these. Round them up together and have them be the like bad guys against the fast and furious crew and okay. they're all driving like old school like muscle cars like Porsches from the 50s and 60s you know Cobra 427 you know like all the just coolest old cars I mean they've brought some of those back into the actual you know Vin Diesel's got his 70s charger but you know still there you go. like I like that yeah, I like that yeah yeah that would be kind of cool. No, That'd be kind of cool. But but you'd be you'd
1: be rooting for the bad guys at that point, oh, 100%. right? 100
0: percent. I mean, right, really, I mean, either way, you're not really rooting for anybody. There's no actual plot. That's the, that's that's, no the, that's plot the thing. that could, movies, it's just, you're just watching. That's the, the awesome thing cars. that could,
1: <laughs> That's how they finally end the franchise. They just have these amazing villains that just kill everybody, and like, oh well, I guess you know you couldn't couldn't mess with Paul Newman and Kit the you know, Night Rider, so.
0: I don't know, Joe. I, I don't know. I don't know. The Fast and Furious can ever end. I mean, you can just keep that franchise going forever. You know? I, I
1: I I believe you're probably right. Unfortunately,
0: No, see, not th- I. I think the Bond franchise is the best because they've like carried it on. You know, you replace once you rep- create a replaceable character that yeah. in and of themselves is like their own legacy like that can live on forever basically i mean they're past i always thought
1: they're past all the original
0: storylines at this point they can just keep it going as long as they want
1: there's a fan theory that doesn't hold water at all but nevertheless would be interesting if sean connery were to be the villain he could come out and say like you know i used to be like you but they blacklisted me and you know he could like Oh, like e a bond like he would he used like to a, be like bond. a 006
0: and goldeneye kind of a vibe
1: but no but no like the james bond moniker is transferable like these all these guys were james bond is a code name like
0: oh, they're um, yeah i see i see
1: they all were james bond but yeah. like sean connery comes back and he's like you know anyway mm. cool all right well there you go hypothetical very cool I dig it. Bing, bang, bong.
0: All right, cool. All right, so, Drew, we've been carrying around a pen for the last week, um, the Monteverde Regatta Sport, and, uh, you know, we kind of had a precursor of this one, like, hey, you know what? This is kind of a chunky, weird-looking, specific pen. We don't really know how we're going to like both carrying this thing around. It looks cool. There's a lot of different versions of it. Uh, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on it, because this is not the kind of pen that I think you would normally carry around so much
1: it's not and kind of like the tool pen we have been selling this thing for a very long time um, from monteverde and it has been successful for a very long time so i don't feel like i can say anything negative about it because people love it it can look a variety of different ways um and i respect it but i've never really given it the time of day so i was like you know what let's give it the time of day first things first um The Goulet Pen Company was generous enough to give us a half-day mental health day last Friday, which is the day I um, uh, brought this home. And I didn't bring my bag with me on Friday because it was a half-day. I'm like, "Eh, I don't need to bring my bag. It's okay. So I pocketed this on my way home and uh, pulled something out of my pocket, and this thing just... Oh, no. And I was turned around, and I just heard the, the, the sickening thuddish clank oh this, of it. this on, thing's a honker so com- on, this
0: will thud this one will thud
1: yeah and i just turned around i'm like yep there that is <laughs> and ink and had spritzed all up into the cap oh, no. i got a nice i got a nice little chunk taken out of the uh top of the um cap here so it it, it honestly pretty well unscathed did you have it, it like
0: heavy clipped into your pocket or was it just like
1: floating it around just, in there? Man, i was in my i was wearing my jean jacket and it was in my uh you know side jacket pocket yeah that's
0: kind of on you drew um,
1: yeah oh i i agree i agree <laughs> i agree so anyway it survived that but that was my first adventure with this pen and i did write with it all weekend long so i got the walnut version which i think you also um have, I, I have like saw.
0: the the rose rose we don't have this one anymore it's the slightly oh, okay. slightly okay, so. lighter slightly redder version but similar okay pattern. so this yeah. this
1: one uh, i got because it's uh currently on sale at the Goulet pen company as of the recording of this pencast there so you, you know um And I inked it up with Monteverde pumpkin cake because it's Mm. seasonal, it's brown, and um, first things first, that's a good ink. I loved it. Give me more. Thank you. Um, And then secondly, it performed really well. It did not dry out on me. It wrote nicely. I've got no complaints about the performance. So, you know, however, I didn't enjoy writing with it for long periods of time. I, I just i could not get into how it felt in my hand posted it's really long really back weighted and um i did post it most of the time because this just is not this ridge where um the little nubbin is at the back that kind of rubbed my hand in a weird way didn't like that so i did post it most of the time but then it's all back weighted so
0: yeah i didn't i
1: just didn't i it was just uncomfortable for me and honestly um the, the the look of it the segmented look i've never really been a fan of and i'm still not a big see, fan i of like it.
0: that look i like it because it's di- oh, so oh. different it's so different you don't see that on a lot of pens it's got a lot of no, things you, happening
1: right and, I, and that is a 100 personal thing for me yeah um, but, it, but it
0: you've, has you've criticized it has not changed in some of the right nows and stuff we used to do you would go into my pen collection and you would kind of mock some of the Chopped up looking pens like that old Delta that I had. The um yeah, there's just the a whole lot going on. Okay, one, you've yeah.
1: you've got wood, you've got knurled metal, you've got carbon mm-hmm. fiber, yeah. more knurled metal, yeah. more wood, a center band. Like it's just, it's just too much for me. It's too much for me. Now I will in. say, I will say it's a good quick draw pen. Like very yeah. good quick draw pen. If you're taking notes, it goes on really well. The magnetic closure is amazing. It is loud though. So if you're in it a is. meeting or something, yeah. And you want to take notes during a meeting, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to do that without everybody turn around and be like, seriously, just leave it uncapped.
0: Now, that's true. I will say that if you're just like with reckless abandoning, just like slapping it on there. But any magnetic pen, you can kind of soft close it like you can use your fingers to kind of like pinch it together a little bit kind of absorb some of the shock of it and it quiets it up a little bit but that said it's, it's still so,
1: it's still gonna make some noise you're,
0: you're not exactly a ninja you know like whipping this pen out you know you're you're gonna get some attention so yeah. that definitely is a factor
1: and and i i, I want to be fair because the vanishing point is my favorite note-taking pen and that mm. one is also not silent so True. you know i'm, I'm not True. just trying to rag on the regatta because you know you know the, cl- the click is a very audible thing as well yeah
0: and and i think you're like me drew you're you're somewhat of a fidgeter so if you're sitting there yeah. like in a meeting in person now granted we're doing a lot of things virtual now so it's you know we can mute ourselves and things like that it's not as big of a deal um, but i imagine like in an in-person situation my tendency would be to fidget a lot with this pen especially because you know unlike you i actually like all the different elements going on here because it captures my visual interests and it like the knurled kind of texture. It gives me different things to touch. I get to rub the wood, which I love touching wood. It just feeds my soul. The carbon fiber is cool. It's got like more depth to it. So. For me, I actually am drawn. I'm kind of like a dog in that way. I'm like, ooh, shiny, you know. But then also touching it, I'm like a child. I'm like, ooh, I want to touch all these different textures. So it, for me, it's almost like a fidget toy, kind of built into a pen, you know. And I can I, see that. I do enjoy that. However, that may be an added distraction that I, <laughs> I don't need. No, those are good <laughs> points,
1: and then I, you, you can't argue with that. It definitely does have a lot going on, and if yeah. that's your thing, then yeah
0: gonna hit the bullseye but i think it's gonna be like it's gonna be a love it or hate it kind of thing you know rachel hates this pen you sounds like you're kind of on the fence but it, it was a pretty solid performer i found the same thing mine wrote actually quite well you know because i've we've been using yeah. these regattas for years so i have several riattas that were original that were mm, seven years ago or eight years ago something like that when we first picked them up and they're the fin finish is not quite as good and the the designs were They've always had this segmented thing, but some of them were, like, not as, I don't know, not as refined. Not as, like, no, all put together. they have improved. Yeah. They
1: have improved. Because when they first came out, they were definitely trying to go with this whole sailing vibe. Um oh, Which yeah. is prob- probably why it's called the Regatta. Yeah, absolutely. So they, you were looking at whites and blues and, and yellows, yellows blues. and whites. Yeah. And, yeah. and it was like,
0: wow. Okay. But They these, looked like uh, these the flags
1: no. on a on a sailboat. Absolutely. You know, But these these
0: now visually, I feel like are more continuous. There's there's more kind of continuity throughout the pen, still kind of broken up and all that kind of stuff. But I I definitely dig these, and I like the gunmetal trim as well. Um, You know, that said, I experienced some of the same things that you did. The grip, I thought I would, I thought I would dislike it more than I did. I don't love it, especially for long writing sessions. I just my thumb rests like right on kind of that the break there and it's just an unignorably you know deep and somewhat sharp um, step that you know if you hold it a certain way you're just not going to be able to avoid that and it's going to bug you if you hold it for a long time I, I ended up using this pen more as a quick note taker and I actually didn't find that it bothered me quite as much as I thought it would but I definitely would not want to sit down and journal with this particular pen every night so I think for me, and, and also I was the same kind of thing, like I put it in my pocket. I knew I didn't want to just like throw it in my pocket because for one, I don't like to do that with any magnetic cap pen because there's always the potential of the thing separating because I I do not baby my things in my pockets. I have cargo shorts almost exclusively I will think nothing of getting up after doing this podcast, going out and like mulching or, you know, lifting something really heavy outside and doing all this crazy stuff. So, um, and oftentimes I'm not thinking very much about what's in my pockets when I do it. So I will abuse pen. So I'm much more along the lines of like, let me put it in a sleeve of some kind and then it's protected it and that kind of thing. So by the time you have this, it's heavy. You put it in a sleeve like this. There's a lot of bulk happening right there. So I don't, really like this as a carry around pen so much in my pockets at least if i had yeah. it in my like backpack if i was operating like normally in the office sure i would carry that in my backpack and i would use it and take it out with my notebook and stuff like that but it's a big fat heavy pen um so i like it more as like a desk pen i visually i find it very interesting so i would like to have it more like at my desk pick it up real quick use it set it back down and i'm good to go but i don't think this is like a, a carry around pen for me
1: now you have mentioned before in one of our uh, very few conversations about your cargo shorts um, mm-hmm. that sometimes when you've got stuff in the lower pockets yes. you get a, a swinging motion Absolutely. that ha- that happens is this
0: I don't put pens in the the cargo pockets okay, okay. for exactly that reason um, because yeah, you,
1: you you you've you've given me a really entertaining pantomime of like things just like Flinging into door (laughs) jams—that
0: definitely happens. I mean, even my my cell phone, I'll put kind of in like the cargo. I I will like specifically shop for shorts that have a cell phone pocket, separate, you know, from a cargo pocket, which may or may not be on the outside. The, The shorts I'm wearing right now actually are not technically cargo shorts. They have like, where's your cargo? They have a, I know, right. Well, when I'm at home like this, it's okay. Like I don't, Less I don't put my wallet in my pants when I'm just around the house. I just don't do that. It's too thick. I'm right. like a George Costanza wallet, and then I'm off, <laughs> all off center, and I'm sitting on it all day, and it just makes me mad. Like I hate, <laughs> I hate carrying around a wallet. I hate. <laughs> how big, how big is your wallet? It's big enough. I mean, you know, it's, it's big enough. You know, I got all those fat stacks in there, Drew. It's just, you know, no, not really. Right. It's like I have all of like the insurance cards and oftentimes something like the kids insurance cards and credit card i have like all of my
1: business this 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 is me brian yeah
0: i can't do that like just the cards that i carry around is thicker than that yeah i mean i have a lot of crap in there too i have like band-aids and old receipts and all kinds of garbage in there that i you have probably band-aids in your wallet i do because i do because i i i'm rough (laughs) man i am outside (laughs) yard working i'm not joking right now like i have multiple wounds in various stages of healing on my hands right now because i because it's getting cold meanwhile, it's, it's getting colder we're running out of sunlight and every like outdoor project we'll get to this in the personal section every outdoor project that i've like been intending to do this summer i'm like crap like winter is coming and i gotta get this stuff done like asap so i am like meanwhile busting it out there <laughs>
1: Meanwhile, my son this morning asked me because um, you know kids' shoes wear out in like 13 seconds. Um, yes, he's like, "Daddy, Daddy, why don't your shoes ever wear out?" And I was like, "Well, Archer, <laughs> I go to work, I sit down, I might cross a parking lot from time to time. You do very different things when you're outside than yes, I do.
0: <laughs> very true. I I have a pair of gray shoes that are now brown because I was spray spray sealing." My kids play set um yesterday, as well as the the like wood like trailer deck of like the the pull behind trailer that I have for my truck i was I was spray sealing those and it got all over my shoes and uh yeah, so like I got that all over my hands and yeah, it's crazy. I have one like wound on my hand right now i to show you <laughs> that drew i don 't know if you can <laughs> see that in the middle it 's a perfect circle it's a circle. I don't know how I did it. I was, I was working on something, everybody at home. It's a perfect circle. I don't know what I set it on or whatever, but it like, it just barely like broke the skin and I put a band-aid on it, but it like, it's a couple of days old now at this point, but I'm like, when in the world did I set my hand on or something where it, like, I, you must've tried to a pick perfect up perfect circle in there.
1: So weird. Probably tried to pick up some sort of sacred cursed artifact.
0: Clearly, clearly yeah. anyway. So yeah, I'm, I keep band-aids like on my person because, you know, if I'm out there working in the yard, this is such a diversion. Why are you talking about this? I'm out there working in the yard. I cut my hands. I'm like covered in like deck sealant or dirt or whatever. I don't want to like trek all the way back into the house, get all that dirt and crud all over the house to get a band-aid. So I'll keep a band-aid on me. Of course, that doesn't work when I actually don't have my wallet on me while I'm doing that. Anyway, my logic is not completely sound but <laughs> i also forget where everything is so i, I have to put like <laughs> chapstick and sharpies and sunglasses and oh all these things everywhere i go i have to have all these things I, I probably own a dozen and a half tubes of chapstick to even have a chance of having one that i can find at any given time you know what i'm talking about drew
1: i i do have chapstick in all of my
0: jackets <laughs> yeah yeah you just gotta take them out before you put them in the wash
1: i just hope that i just don't lose all of them by the end of the winter
0: yes you ever like find like one a, that's super old or like sticks of deodorant like i'll find like a stick of deodorant that i have in my desk drawer and i pull it out and it's like half shriveled out and i'm like how many I don't, years old is I, this
1: I, yeah i don't i don't need to keep desk deodorant but well i do have some pretty that, i do have that some might be old, unique to me <laughs> i do have some pretty old nerd rope in here though we'll see hey there you go well that's not and an mr and then an, and an mre that's probably from you know 2001
0: wow well it's probably still good oh definitely probably better than the nerd rope but anyway so yeah um cool well um the ink that i use in this was uh I, I went back to an old favorite of mine noodler's blue that was the first oh that was the first blue ink that i ever used that really just like spoke to me you know, I, basically every blue that I was trying to find, I knew the blue. Ever since I saw the Cerulean Founder Nerds room. everything that I, that I have been looking for when I first found out about fountain pens and ink and the whole thing, I was trying to find like a perfect cerulean blue because I've just always loved that color. I was looking for that. I bought Diamine China Blue was my first color that I ever bought. It's a nice blue, but not the blue I was looking for. Diamond Midnight, nope, too dark. So ultimately, I found Noodler's Blue, and it was like, ah, yes, this is the blue I want. It's deeply saturated. So, um, and and that was actually kind of the basis of the blue that we used when we came up with Liberty's Elysium. When we talked to Nathan, it was like, Nathan, can we basically just take Noodler's Blue and make it permanent? That's what we want. That is Liberty's Elysium. You know, it's not fully bulletproof. It's partially bulletproof, but that was as bulletproof as he could make it and still keep the vibrancy of Noodler's blue. But that was it. That was like the, so I have not used that ink in a long time. So I was like, what the, Hey, let me ink that up in this thing. And let me tell you, man, still love it. I have not used a single ink yet in this whole process that we've been doing where it's like, you know what? I used to love this ink. And then I use it again. I'm like, you know what? I don't really like it as much. No, every single one. I'm like, oh. I still love that ink, like now I remember why I love this so much i just i have not I've not fallen out of love with any ink that I've ever like loved deeply so that was fun, excellent, and it wrote great, performed really well and the nibs, sorry, this is going back to a, something we had like fifteen minutes ago, but so the original regattas they were much brighter in color and stuff like that, but they also had completely different nibs now they're Yovo and stuff like that. The ones that wrote back then they they wrote. But it was not like that pleasurable of a writing experience. The ones now are so much better. So, like, that was really cool because I haven't really written a lot with the regatta since they've changed to the yovo nibs um but this was the first time that i kind of did and i was like oh this is a significant upgrade so that to me is kind of a game changer uh from what the regattas used to be they used to be kind of cool crazy looking novelty pens and they kind of wrote okay now it's like okay yes it has its nuances but it's actually a really good writing experience so that was a nice little discovery for me all right that is enough let's move on um we were talking about what pens that we should use this coming week And Drew was like, hey, you know what? We got this like random like return here or something that like it doesn't have the boxes all messed up and all these kind of things. We're trying to figure out what to do with it. It's a custom 823. Can we do this, please? And I was like, you don't have to twist my arm. I'm happy to write with an 823 anytime. So we're both going to ink up our 823s. Drew's got a broad. I've got a mm, finder, a medium. I can't remember what I have, but I'll ink mine up too. And we will give the custom A23 a go. And I know this is going to be great because I've used mine more recently, but I love using it, so I'm happy to use it again. Uh, have you had a lot of experience with the A23, Drew, or is this going to be kind of new? No. Yeah, really? No.
1: I mean, I, I've, I've tested you know dozens of them over the years, <sighs> but I have never recreationally okay. enjoyed
0: one. You, okay. This will be good for you because the filling mechanism on this and like carrying it around and stuff like that is going to be... It's gonna be a different element this is this is a more unique pen um in terms of how it mm-hmm. writes and stuff but you've written with the twisby vac 700 and stuff like that so you're familiar oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I own Sim- a Vax 700. Kind of yeah but
1: yeah i own several vacuum filling pens yeah um i own a couple homo sapiens but yeah. um have just never took the plunge on an 823 okay. although this one is amazing and it's brown like why do i not have it I it's, mean, it's frankly it's frankly un- inexcusable
0: i'm not making excuses
1: well, you know, we could just write it off, Brian.
0: That's all I'm saying. Let's see how it goes. Let's we'll see how you like it. and We'll talk. Okay. <laughs> all
1: right. So, are you are you going to use a brown ink, Brian? Ah, uh, good question. question. Good question. You I gotta
0: see what I have here at home. I'll I'll dig around and I'll see if I have a brown.
1: I'll tell you what I'm going to use: Noodler's Golden Brown. Ooh. Because with a broad nib, I'm going to get some shading on this thing, mm-hmm. and Golden Brown is the best shading brown and it's a brown
0: pen with gold trim it's literally golden brown oh yeah kind of makes sense even though it's called amber i mean it's brown let's be real bramber we've talked about this all right what's happening drew word on the street is you made some awful cookies that's your first bullet point yes and i'm like yes, i gotta yes. hear about these awful cookies
1: well <laughs> these cookies when they were done uh prompted me to realize that my son knew what cow patties looked like because he's like those look like cow patties and I said Archer how do you know what cow patties look like so essentially they looked like that um, I followed the recipe I refrigerated what, the what, dough what kind of
0: cookies were these like were these?
1: they were supposed to be like oatmeal chocolate chunk uh, cookies okay um, and I I followed everything exactly but then you know and I refrigerated them I you know balled them up did it for the exact amount of time even turned them halfway through they just flattened out into these just um, this like amorphous blobs of nastiness and they tasted fine but dang were they ugly so no Mm. they they all needed to be destroyed so that was disappointing especially because it was like a two-day thing because they needed to be refrigerated for 24 hours um yeah it seems
0: like a lot of work
1: (laughs) yeah and i've made cookies before i'm like i'm not terrible at you know baking i'm not amazing at it but you know anyway so that was that was annoying but it was comical because they looked naughty um and then uh today i'm currently stranded at work i don't have my cars getting looked at so uh i can't leave anywhere so uh you know that's a thing
0: that's exciting the
1: the emissions light came on um the uh the crv brian 191,000 miles on that bad boy wow so it's up there so i'm at, i'm kind
0: of like I mean, it's a honda right, what are, it, it's got some staying power are, but that is uh, yeah, that's yeah a lot but of this is
1: this is the point where i'm like all right what are they gonna say it's like taking a really old dog to the vet it's like is this gonna be it is this gonna be it you know like God, oh, like, don't oh, want no. it to be it but you know you know the call is coming you're gonna get the call so you be like all right well yeah she lived a good life so we'll see we'll see maybe it's just hopefully it's just a hope hopefully i'm just kind of breaking some epa laws or something like that and they're gonna fix a hose and we'll be okay so we'll see um yeah and uh last night we finished the um miniseries the fx miniseries fossey verdon which is about bob fossey the choreographer director and gwen verdon Mm. the dancer and uh not my choice this was a shannon pick so uh next pick is going to be mine and she'll not like it um but uh yeah, Sam Rockwell played Bob Fosse, and everything Sam Rockwell does is absolutely amazing. So,
0: Sam Rockwell—it was a bit of a I don't,
1: I'm not Sam seen. Rockwell. Uh, he's been in um, Iron Man Two, which you wouldn't know. Uh, Shawshank, not Shawshank. Uh, Green Mile—he was a crazy, crazy, crazy guy in Green Mile. Um, hmm. um, he did uh, the movie Moon, which was so good. Hmm. Um, he did uh, Matchstick Men with—wait, um, no, that might, was that Giovanni Ribisi or Sam Rockwell. Anyway, he's really good. He's good and everything, so that was that was a delight. But other, other than that, it was kind of a disjointed thing. They did a lot of time jumping, and I'm like, wait, what time is this? And they didn't ever say, this is 1972. Mm-hmm. It says, like, you know, or maybe they did, but then it's like, hey, it's th- three years after he did this. I'm like, wait, I don't know when he did that. Why are you using that as a baseline? So it was a bit much. They tried to do more than they needed to as far as that goes. But overall, good performance. Glad we watched it nice what about you
0: yeah i mean i kind of um i had my truck recently that i had to bring in to get something fixed i was having this i've got a i've got a old truck almost 20 years old um and it's a uh, it's a diesel so it's like i mean it's over 200,000 miles on it but mechanics have said this thing will go 500,000 miles if you just change the oil filter and all that like it's oh my god yeah diesel engines will go forever and it's it's been t- really well taken care of but you know it's I i don't drive it a ton it's just i take stuff to the dump and i haul the mower with it and stuff like that when i need to bring it in um but uh you know i had this issue where like the the basically the throttle would would pretty much give out while i was driving like it wouldn't cut off but the the pedal would just kind of like like nothing would happen and then i would like is that as
1: dangerous as it sounds
0: um it didn't feel great when it would happen it was every so often. So anyway, I read up about it and it's, it's a, it's kind of a known thing that can happen sometimes with these trucks. And it was a kind of thing like, okay, there's these things you can do to look at it. And I'm always like, I'm not a car guy, but at the same time, I just, because I'm not a car guy, I like hate going to the mechanic. I know you probably feel this way is like, I go to mechanic, I'm like oh yeah the flux capacitor has defibrillated into the who's he oh yeah i totally know what you're talking about okay yeah you're i totally know you're not screwing me over right now like i'll happily pay how much is that twelve thousand dollars cool let's do that you know so yeah. like, i like i know enough to be dangerous but like i like i do i know woodworking i know tools i know a lot of things about how to fix a lot of stuff <laughs> but like cars are sort of like this black hole in my brain. I don't know why I can't really get it. So anyway, um, th- thankfully it ended up being some obscure issue where they even told me what it was. And I was like, yeah, I never would have been able to diagnose that on my own. So like, it seems to be working better now and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, you know, it's just an old vehicle and you get these weird things that happen and it happens. But, um, yeah. So basically my whole thing is like I mentioned earlier, I am doing a ton of outdoor stuff. Um, and you know, I know how much you love yard work, Drew. So I was just living in your paradise this weekend. I was, I aerated and dethatched the lawn this weekend. I've never dethatched anything before. So
1: I've never thatched or dethatched
0: (laughs) basically like anybody who lives, you know, more northerly, you know, what dethatching is. So like, especially happens where you have a lot of snow and it just compacts like the grass down and it gets like this layer of basically just like, crap that that builds up on top of the soil so that when you're like seeding and stuff like that it doesn't allow it to like penetrate and actually get into the dirt so just like you would till a garden to like freshen up the soil dethatching just removes all that just old crap that builds up on the yard well i've never done that here and we don't get a ton of snow but i have a ton of weeds and crabgrass and all that kind of garbage so it was pretty amusing trying to dethatch my yard granted it's like fall but i was like i don't know i'm trying to like watch youtube videos and stuff i don't really know how to take care of my yard but i'm trying to have more than just like you know dusty weeds which is pretty much mostly what my yard is and i'm trying to like actually take care of it but it's kind of an adventure um so i bought a pull behind dethatcher you know nothing crazy expensive just a little cheap thing uh, that i pulled behind my lawnmower and it was so dusty like we've had we had a ton of rain a couple of weeks ago and then we had like nothing for a few days. Oh my gosh. I'm not joking. I had like a coating of dust all over me. Rachel was like, Yeah, you look pretty gross. <laughs> because I'll try to How do that. How many i try to do that, and it was just like not happening the dethatcher Helmet. i had to go like two miles an hour because the thatcher was like grabbing onto all the weeds and it was like literally like bouncing back and forth because the thatcher it's basically just a bunch of springs that are hanging onto this device and the springs like catch and kind of pull up all the grass and stuff like that but when it's super dry and all you have is like crabgrass and everything's all like interlocked it's you can't like pull the springs on anything so the springs just end up like flinging this thing all over the place so it was it was quite an adventure and it was um uh, it was very exciting for me i just stirred up did you get any good um, dust
1: did you get any good shorts selfies <sighs>
0: uh, i didn't do any selfies because it was like if i take my phone No,
1: no, i mean like did you, did your did your thigh take any without your consent
0: oh yeah definitely totally it happened. Uh, yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, no question. And like, I'll be listening to like podcasts and stuff like that. And it'll just randomly stop because like it's activated the play button, like the pause button. And just, I'm like, you know, so it's, it's, it's always an adventure with me in my sweated through cargo pants. Um, but at least now it's getting cooler. So I'm not like sweating through so profusely all my clothing. I can actually like finish some yard work and it's like, Oh, I'm just covered in dust. I'm not covered in sweat and dust. Uh, But anyway, so then I also I mentioned I was assembling my carport, which I got from my parents, which that's fully done now.
1: Hey, yeah,
0: yeah. it actually ended up being even more of a project because where I was putting it was on a little bit of a slope. And I was like, ah, whatever. I don't need to change the slope. And then I was like, once I assembled the frame, I was like, oh, this looks pretty bad. And I was like, actually, I kind of do want this to be level. So then I had to level it out, but I couldn't just level it. I had to actually take some of the dirt out to lower it down it's like a whole thing now but it it's done and it looks so much better so it ended up being more of a project that's been my theme lately is like I tell Rachel I'm like oh I got this thing shouldn't take me that long I'm going to do it but then I get into it and it ends up being a whole big project and I come in all tired and stuff and I'm like oh, yeah that's I it was it was I, it, a bit of more than I can chew dear <laughs> No, that's fine. I, I, I,
1: understand that despite not being outside, I've been working on my son's Halloween costume for the past two months. So, yes. uh, yeah. yeah, not, a not a stranger to, uh, over committing.
0: Yeah. And then I also, um, patched my blacktop driveway for the first time. Never done that before. Mm. I, I actually legitimately was like remembering from parks and rec. Remember when, um, Ron Swanson first meets Diane, um, he meets yep. her because she was trying to fix a pothole in front of her house. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the heat legitimately, like, that was legitimate. Like that's how you fix a pothole. <laughs> and so I mean, like, I've got the edging on my, I've got a paved driveway and the edging is like the, the dirt beside it has kind of eroded away and you know, we're in COVID life and there's delivery trucks coming and going. And if they come on the edge of the driveway, it'll like crumble. So I've got all these edges of my driveway. They're like crumbling under the pressure from these big trucks. So I, it's a whole thing. I need to raise up the edges of the driveway, get it all but I need to fix these pieces of blacktop first. So I bought like the cold patch, you know, asphalt stuff and all that. So I'm like, I'm having a whole adventure with patching asphalt and dethatching my yard and spray sealing my kid's playset and all that. I've been like Mr. Contractor, like self-contractor lately. And I've been having a blast i'm getting to do all kinds of different stuff and it's neat
1: there you go and then you get now you get to spend some money that you saved by not hiring a contractor you can buy yourself one of those uh emperors
0: <laughs> well no, i'm gonna buy like gravel so that i can spread that along the side of the driveway Yay. i'm not like saving money i'm just not having to spend as much money you know what i mean like it's not yeah. it's not bonus money i'm just like oh okay i can actually like fix the things that are broken because i have not touched the end of the driveway in like 10 years <laughs> So I can go and fix it all now. Anyway. Nice. And then the last thing on the personal front is, um, you know, Joseph is uh, under quarantine again. So, you know, I mentioned that in a past pencast. He was at school for three days before he was potentially exposed, never had symptoms or anything like that. So thank goodness. But yeah, he went back and then three days later he was potentially exposed again. So he's home all week and we are basically quarantined as a family all week because he was potentially exposed. Again, so at this point, he'll have spent more time quarantines than he will have actually in school. So this is the COVID life that we find ourselves in, and we are smiling, hide the pain, Harold. Through it all, we're just like, okay, like he knows how to virtual school. He's a, you know a good kid. He's pretty studious and all that. So like that's all fine. But it's just you know the same COVID life, just garbage that we're all dealing with. It's like okay. Especially because, like, it looked like we were getting more in the clear in July and everything was looking fine. And then the Delta variant came out and it's like, ah, just kidding. Okay. No. Same same as last year. Same repeat. Fear, anxiety, all that stuff. Great. Cool. Let's do that. All right. So, anyway, we're doing fine. But it's just like we're just kind of over it. But yet it's not over. <laughs> so, here we are. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's like we're not allowed to be over it.
0: Yeah, pretty much. So, anyway. But we're doing okay. Um yeah. All right. Uh, on the company front, company updates. So we, um, this week, actually, you know, the day that we're publishing this, Friday, August plane, um, you know, we have our quarterly physical inventory. So we always try to give a heads up. Granted, this is not a heads up because you're seeing this after we've already finished it at this point. Um, but, uh, you know, we always like to do it, especially this one before the holiday season comes. Um, we basically shut the website down and we count all the stuff that we have just to make sure that what we have on the website actually reflects what we have in our building so that when you buy something you know that it exists and that we have it and can ship it to you that's essentially the you know the crux of it Um, surprising how many different things can go wrong in the whole process of ship getting things in and shipping them out especially with 47 or 4800 or so different products that are coming and going each and every day uh it gets complicated you know sometimes we receive things wrong sometimes you know whatever stuff isn't barcoded properly and all these things so there's a number of different complications that can happen but um you know it should keep things flowing pretty smoothly um and then the other thing that we have is we have this um ink deal that is starting on Friday uh, which will kick through basically through the end of the year, uh, more or less. So we've done this with uh, Yaffa brand uh, stuff before. Um, so we're going to have a free bottle of Private Reserve ink with all the brands uh, that Yaffa distributes. So this is any of their brands. If you buy a pen, you will get a bottle Bri- of Private Brian, Reserve ink.
1: We, we we did already talk about this.
0: Oh, yeah, we did, didn't we? Well, we
1: did. at this I'm point, sorry. it's been
0: so long. No, you're right i even i even went through all this too i'm just on autopilot what can i say
1: (laughs) it's okay i i'm like oh god should i let him go with this
0: one (laughs) maybe i should just let you drive the rest of the ship (laughs)
1: i'm done it's all good it's all good that's the company update
0: yeah pretty much all right i'm done would you like to know would you
1: like to know what's what would you like to know what's on my desk sure (laughs) hey well i bought a retro 51 enterprise nice so i already had the discovery this one's a little bit different this is kind of like the not as cool discovery because the discovery is one of the acid etched ones it has some Mm -hmm. texture this one doesn't have any texture but i think i've just decided to get all the shuttles so that's gonna happen and (laughs) there you go why not right and of course i have pelican converters on my desk so hooray for that and i also bought this was kind of coming out of some of the things we talked about uh last week where people were using um we were talking about transcribing books and somebody mentioned like um, that they were transcribing their grandfather's cookbook i'm like you know what i need a journal for cook uh, for for recipes because the websites that you go to to get recipes are riddled with ads. They're hard to navigate. You have to like switch on like the the, the mode on your phone where it stays open so that you can look at it while you're cooking. Oh, yeah. Scrolling up and down is annoying. It's super small and then you worry about splashing crap on it while you're oh, yeah. you know, like cooking you and stuff have, like that. You
0: have like egg on your fingers and you go yeah, to touch or, your screen and it's just Yeah,
1: flowered. Flour completely makes your fingerprints pointless. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna get a book and i'm just gonna write my favorite recipes on there i'm not big in cooking but i do have like bookmarked a bunch of my favorite recipes so i'm gonna actually put them to ink to paper so uh-huh. i bought an endless uh endless works recorder book um you know it's got numbered pages table of contents two bookmarks mm-hmm. uh, i think it'll be great for reference so i'm gonna get that ball rolling so thank you out there for inspiring me
0: there you go nice taking it old school that's awesome yeah good stuff um yeah i was gonna say like aren't you gonna like get your get your food stuff on your fingers on the page but i'm like no wait you don't have to like scroll or anything you'll just have it open and you don't have to touch it exactly. so yeah that kind of solves that problem um very cool yeah uh let's see i go back to my notes um so i i got finally in my hands the twisby uh 580 alr navy blue so nice i this is one of those things like because i'm working remotely i'll like We'll get a new pen in i'm like oh yeah i want one but then i have to actually go to the office and get it i mean i guess i could have it shipped to me but whatever it was busy enough so i can just wait but anyway by the time i actually make it into the office it's usually a couple of weeks um after by the time i can show it on the pencast so i got one of those even though we've launched it a little while ago um it's really cool i dig this color a lot and it's of course it's because i love everything blue but really great color i'm i'm really digging it is it better than prussian though um it's different it's different i like that one too a lot i wouldn't i don't know if it's better i don't know if it's better maybe um mm, i don't know you can't make me choose that i know i don't know why i asked (laughs) (laughs) uh probably not i would say prussian i like prussian i like more but i knew that i liked prussian a lot and i anticipated that i would not like this one as much but i liked this one more than the lowered expectations I had for it compared to the Prussian. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's how I felt about Batman versus Superman.
0: There you go. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then I also picked up another custom seventy-four. So the custom seventy-four orange is discontinued and not a thing. And um, when we were prepping for physical inventory, we like found one that we basically was like, okay, do we list this on the site? Do we do this whole thing? Whatever. And then when somebody on the team was like. Yeah, Brian would probably want that. And I was like, yeah, I don't have an orange one. Okay, I'll take it. It's a medium, which I love. And I was like, okay. Nice. I wouldn't have like gone out of my way to get it, but it's like, okay, if it's going to be less work to like list it and there do the go. whole thing, like I'll take one for the team, you know.
1: Servant leadership at its finest. Yeah.
0: Cause I always like, I get FOMO like anybody else. Like, especially when we know something's going to be discontinued. I'm like, oh, I kind of want that thing more now, but I've done that. Mm -hmm. I've done that so much now where I'm like, okay, Brian, really like you have so many pens. Do you actually really need this thing? But I'm like, custom 74 is like my pen. So I really, I really should have every color of custom 74. I, for some reason I haven't just felt compelled to collect every single option, but I'm getting there. I'm getting pretty darn close. (laughs) I might, I might have close to every color at this point i need to gather that up actually drew that's a good question that i the, just the, summarized the teal
1: the teal and the uh, um was it merlot mm-hmm. those two together i think are some of the best looking ones so like, good honestly as as a pair they look really really nice as well i agree
0: i agree they pretty much nailed it there you go so that's what i've been playing with and i think we finally reached the end we are pushing two hours now so we need to get our booties out of here um yeah Yeah, that's all we got. I forgot to pull a random fun fact today. So we are not going to have one. But um, I don't know, we could make up a writing prompt, Drew, because remember, we talked about that before. So I think we could make one up real quick. I am going to go off of what Drew said earlier about writing down um, his recipes. So I'm going to challenge everybody to do a writing prompt of writing out um, your favorite meal. So whatever the ingredients and the cooking and all that kind of stuff, just like you'd write a recipe, uh, go ahead and write out your your favorite meal uh, with a pen on actual paper. That's going to be your writing prompt for this week. Um, so that's what we got for you. Be sure to leave us some comments if you want to engage and let Drew know that you either support him or you want to troll him. Whatever you do, <laughs> any comment is good in YouTube's eyes. So go for it um be sure to check out guleypens.com because that is we are self-sponsored basically and uh you know we, everything that we talk about here more or less you can find there uh, as long as lots of other cool things ink paper pens all that fun stuff um like and subscribe to youtube channel we're on instagram we're in a lot of different places and uh if you are listening to the audio version and you want to send us an email you can do so at pencast at gulaypens.com. that's all we got for you all this week hope you have a wonderful weekend and a great rest of your week and right on.